You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, where you're going to hear a valuable hunting-based conversation that's tailored for us Southern folk. If you love what we do and would like to support Southern Ground Hunting, you can visit patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes below. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting. You can also support us by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps more than you know, and we greatly appreciate it. And now, let's get to the show. All right, on the show with us today, we have from the great state of Mississippi, Mr. Jeremy Aaron. Jeremy, what's going on in Mississippi, man? Uh, not much. Sun done popped out. It's sort of hot and humid right now, but yeah. this summertime Mississippi, so... We're used to that. Yeah, we got rain all day today. <laughs> it's been raining like crazy here, um, just off and on. But when it when it starts going, it goes hard. So, um, yeah. but you know we're on the we're on the downhill side to deer season, so it's a good day. And uh, oh yeah, got, that's right. We got a lot of good stuff to Even look closer. forward to. Um, yep. Also, I've got co-host Drew Robbins uh, on the other line. Drew, how's it going? Good, Parker. Good, man. I, I spent too much money at uh, last weekend's Deer Expo um, in Birmingham. Yeah. And so been catching up on all my honeydews because of such things. And so, <laughs> um, you know, and then uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited, Parker, to have Jeremy on. I mean, coming from Mississippi, hey, hell state, man. Mississippi State just won the College World <laughs> Series. And I'm, I'm sure they have not. I'm sure they've not stopped partying over there. So uh, it's, it's, it's a good day, man. It's a good day. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of yeah. the Deer Expo, I mean, uh, what a good weekend that we had there hanging out with the tethered guys and um, selling tons of saddles. And Jeremy, I know you, I, I watched a video last night, actually. So here's what I did. I've watched all of y'all's videos. I was talking to, mm-hmm. uh, I was talking to Daniel last night on Instagram and, uh, Daniel is a part of the do-it-yourself hunter with Jeremy for you listeners who don't know they have a YouTube channel and they're really awesome but they're at the top y'all are like Jeremy I don't know if you know this y'all are at like the top of my short list of YouTube channels that I watch um like it is it is one of my favorite channels and uh, I found out about it actually through my dad of all people he said hey these guys keep showing up under recommended after I watch one of your videos I think you'd like them so I was like, man, awesome. Yeah, I, and he was exactly right. I, I love watching your guys' videos. But I've watched all of them, but I wanted to rewatch everything before we um, did this interview today. And I saw a couple of videos where you started using a tree saddle as well. So I'm interested to know, um, you're a guy who's been doing this for a really long time. And a lot of times, it these guys like yourself who have a system in place that works for them, they have a hard time switching something up that big. What was your impression of saddle hunting uh, for the first time? Well, two years ago, Daniel just took his safety harness and rigged it up 
where he could hunt out at right at first of bow season. And I got thinking, you know, yeah, I did. He's like, man, I like this. And he flew around and ordered him a saddle and, and got hunting out of it and got watching him on his video. And I'm like, well, heck, I try. I'm a sucker. I'll try anything once. Well, I got it. And I, I didn't get a platform at first. And I really liked it, but it, it hurt my feet. You know, how you hold up on the steps and stuff. And I hunted, I didn't get it to like December, mm-hmm. but two years ago. And I hunted right around here. And first day I climbed, killed a doe with it. I was like, all right, this is going to be something lucky here. You know, so I look at <laughs> look at hunting products. If it works right the first time I, I use it, it's going to be a good thing. So I got used it and hunted a good bit out of it and really liked it. I really liked it for self-filming because you're a lot more, you can film, you know, when you're sitting in a tree stand, it's sort of like you right angle to you, you right side, you've got a 90 degree right there. If it comes in there, you pretty much can, can get good footage. So, you know, I usually always just backed up against a creek or something like that when I was filming with a, with a lock on, but with this saddle, you know, you sort of face, you trail left and right and you can pretty much film anywhere, you know, sort of straight behind you. It's sort of hard, but you can move around the tree and, and get there. So, that's really what I like like it more for is is for feminine. But you know it's mobile too. You know I can, you can go way in and it's a little lighter. But after I got the platform, I like it a lot more. Yeah. Because if I, I get sort of tired, because I've hunted all day out of it last year, I've got twenty days. I, I sat from daylight to dark in it and didn't have no trouble. Because you just sort of shift your weight or stand. A lot of times, if I got a spot and a deer comes behind me, if you can get that tree leaning away from me just a little bit. So when you stand up, you're standing up straight instead of a tree leaning towards you. You know, I, a lot of times I just stand up on the platform and have me enough slack where I can just turn around and, and shoot straight behind me That's right. like I'm in a, a lock-on. So, you know, I I think most folks that that, that try them, and, you know, I'm not saying a big guy is not is going to like them because he's going to put a lot of weight on your tail. But somebody that's not a real big fella, I think they're going to love them. Yeah. You know? And and I, I'm there with you on everything except for the thing about big guys not liking them because, uh, Jeremy, I know you don't know Drew, but Drew is a Viking. Drew is built like a Viking. Oh, okay. And uh, oh, okay. Jeremy, Jeremy, don't don't let Parker lie to you, Jeremy. I am I am six flat. I'm 190 pounds. Okay, <laughs> I mean that's that's actually I was six flat, 190 pounds in the third grade. So um, so but, <laughs> you know. You're not a big guy. I think, heck, I'm I'm five six. I'm 190 pounds. So, it's, <laughs> it, it, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying them, them big big boys. Yeah, they know what I'm talking about. It's, it's, oh yeah, and, no, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit there and say they they can't go set an hour to them a couple of hours, but they're not all day set for them. Yeah, yeah, no. And, and a lot of and a lot of folks in the South is not used to all day set. You know, I did. Sure. I I don't really around here, and that's what got me really liking going off hunting. You know, like I said, I've been self-employed my whole life and had business stuff. In the evenings, I could hunt fine around here. But in the morning, I get in the stand, 8, 9 o'clock, I'm like, crap, I got too much stuff I got to go do. And uh, and I, I had to get down and go do stuff. Or I get out of state, you know, I'm too far away from home to come back. I, I, that's why I just, I've always really loved traveling and hunting. You know, that's the thing that really sticks out to me when I think, when I when I had the idea of, uh, getting you on for this local legend series is through watching your videos and keeping up with you on social media and doing that kind of stuff. Um, I noticed the consistency that you and Daniel both have. Um, I know you hunt a little bit more than he does as far as like the, the different States and things, but you would go out. It seemed like every time I was watching one of your videos, you're like, man, I never been here. Hadn't been here before. And you go out and within a couple days, uh, have a, a good sized buck on the ground. And so just thinking about that, you know, we were talking, uh, about different people that we could have on the local legend series. And part of local legends series to me is consistency. You know, we may talk to somebody throughout the season, um, or, or at any other time that might have killed a couple good bucks, but what you've got going on for you is you're just consistent, man. You're always killing really good yeah. deer. Well, the way I look at that is with experience, you learn. You start learning, hey, I killed this deer. What what was the situation around it? Was it the weather? Was it the time of the year? It was and start putting things like that together and make it work again for the next time. 
And that's why I really like Daniel and I sort of took him under my wing because he reminds me so much of, of me at that age. And, and you know, he kills a deer. He's like, man, I think this is why I killed him because he's done this and this and done that instead of just like, oh, I got lucky. I killed that deer. You know, you get thinking, mm-hmm. you know, put, put things together. Because here's – I've got a, a factor I look at when I'm – say, like, I want to go to North Dakota this year in September. No, it's not going to be a rut. But how I am now, since I'm pretty much self-employed and halfway semi-retired, I'm going to look for weather. I'm going to sit back and wait for that first first big northern front to come through, and that's when I'm going. You know, I, I know a lot of people can't do that. That's working, and they got to take off this week or a certain you know a certain time. They got to take off in advance. You know, they're at a disadvantage. But a lot of times, when I kill good deer, is I go when that catch that front, because I know then deer are going to be moving. Because I, I got a thing. I said there's three things. There's three determinant factors to kill a big deer. And when they all line up, it's better. Just say, all right, my first one is the rut. You know, we always know the rut is the best time to hunt. Mm-hmm. All right. The second thing is hunting the front. When you got weather coming in, you know, right at, the, right at that front and right after. And they get that barometric pressure about right. So that, that's two. And then the other thing is, is uh, well, let me give a thing. I think here I get talking. And I, I let them line up. So when I sort of say, if three of them's right, the, the other is the moon face. The third one is the moon face. So they'll say, I know I've, I've drawn a Colorado southeastern deer tag this time, and I really want to put emphasis on it. I want to go. Their rut is around the 15th to the 20th. I've done research. So that's one factor I know is going to be good, them dates. All right, if I can catch a front coming through them dates, that's going to make it the second time. And then if I can catch the moon phase, right, just say if the moon phase, I really like hunting right after the full moon, two, three, four days right after the full moon. So a lot of times in the morning when you wake up, that moon's still straight up overhead. You know, usually that fourth and fifth day after the full moon, it's not quite overhead yet. Mm-hmm. So that means that deer, you know, I don't know if y'all hunt the moon or not, but if you hunt enough, it's not exact science. But when the moon's straight up and straight down, that's, that's pretty much prime move time. When the, when the moon's rising in the morning and setting in the evening, that's minor time. And you go look at your cell phone cameras. You go back and check them dates with them lunar charts. I guarantee you they're going to be pretty close. They're going to be a lot more. They're going to be right a lot more times than wrong. Yeah. So yeah. so I, I I I use them three factors when I'm looking at going somewhere to hunt. And you, say like if I'm going to North North Dakota early, we know the rut's not going to be there because that's not the wrong time of year. But if the moon phases right and I catch a front coming through, there's two of the three. So that's a good time to hunt. Hey guys, as most of you know, censorship for hunters and anglers is completely out of control. So we've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat the mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're actually encouraged on Go Wild. They give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting other friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, like gift cards, free stuff like knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. And if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit GoWild.com to get started. Six Day Grind Coffee Co. is made for people like you, the ones out there grinding to reach your goals every single day. Whether it's 3 a.m. wake-up calls to get into the woods or just getting through your work day, a good cup of high-quality coffee to start your day is imperative. When you buy from Six Day Grind, you not only get a great bag of premium roasted coffee, you also have the opportunity to support conservation through their Coffee for Your Cause program, where 10% of your purchase goes to the conservation organization of your choice. Check out SixDayGrindCoffeeCo.com today. That's the word six, followed by daygrindcoffeeco.com. You talk a lot, I've heard you talk a lot about moon phases, and I want to get into that too, because we haven't really done it, uh, we haven't talked about moon phase just a ton in the past, but, um, you know, you, you hunt a place like Mississippi is where you live, and you hunt a lot of public land there in Mississippi, you hunt some private land there in Mississippi, um, and, and talking about these fronts, obviously a front in Alabama or Mississippi or 
you know, Louisiana in the south where it's typically a little bit hotter, a front is going to have a different effect than uh, it does up north. Uh, and, and maybe not a different effect as far as deer go, but it's going to be um, – it's not going to be quite as – temp- The temp- yeah, the temperature is colder. Do you find that those fronts, do you, I'm thinking the right way to say this, whether it's a warm front or a cold front, any type of front, does it have the same effect? Well, extremely the way it will work, because I have seen killed good deer on extreme. You know, what we had two years ago when it was like 95 degrees in October, open day or a couple in October here, mm-hmm. deer move. Seen them, you know, seen deer out in the field, didn't kill them, but we got pictures of some pretty good deer right in that extreme. But the main thing what I look on extreme is a 10-degree temperature change. Just say, say this morning it was, you know, say we was in the wintertime and it was like 40, was you low? Well, tomorrow morning it's going to be 30. There's a 10-degree temperature change. And most time when you get that temperature change like that, the wind's been shifted out of the north or west, northwest, because mm-hmm. that front's done, done come through. That's, that's what you're looking for is that big change in temperature is what I look at. And most time that wind's blowing when that front comes through. You know, I I, I don't even know what the guy's name. I watched a YouTube channel several years ago that I learned a lot of from him. It's a lot of times that wind or rain or something, them deer just sort of hunker down. They just sort of wait it out. Mm-hmm. And then after it breaks and it clears off, that's when they're going to get up on their feet and start moving. So, but I've, I've noticed hunting the mountain states out west, the moon is not, don't affect them deer as much out there and elk as much. Okay. I, don't, I don't know what it, if, I don't know if it's cause their climate is a little more extreme. It just seems like they're more of an early and late mover than our deer are. Hmm. You know, cause hmm. I, yeah, hmm. I, I don't know, probably, probably three weeks ago, generally that time frame, I come across a bean field here and I seen five bucks out in it. I'm like, dang. And it's like nine thirty in the morning. Well, I went home to pull my moon chart up. Well, heck, we were on a major time right then. And they was out in that field feeding. I'm like, I figured so. I figured that's we were close on the on the, the moon was straight up here, it was straight down. You know, I, I guess that's what I tell you, listeners. Pay a little attention to that. You, most everybody nowadays has got you know cameras out. Yeah. You get a picture of a good deer. All you got to do is there's one I I look at a little dot com. It's a best time to hunt dot net. Best time to hunt dot net. Pull it up and it'll give you the major and minor times for that month, or you can go the month ahead. Now, is that you something know, that's one that, thing I get. that is uh, on that best times to hunt dot net? Is that go by your location? Do you put in your zip code or something like that? You, you can't put in zip code, but it don't change that much from the it it just a few minutes from the north end of the east side of the time zone to the west side of the time zone. Okay. I think when it first comes up, it's like in Los Angeles, but then you put your your zip code in and it may change just a few minutes you know yeah. it's not like ours different so I gotcha. you know yeah. but but yeah, that's one I thing gotcha. i guess a tip i would i would tell somebody that's that's say you work for ups or something i got a buddy that works for ups and he's get four five weeks a year off you can uh if you're wanting to go to say illinois this year look and see when that moon's going to be full and if it'll fall within that fifth to the 15th I, I would plan my hunt around it and then just hoping you, I'm going to get weather to go with it. Hmm. Does, does that make sense to you? Mm-hmm. you know, that's what, because mm-hmm. I, I, I really do hunt weather in front. You know, I can set way on the front, but a lot of guys that's, that's got a nine to five job or something that's got to take off in advance, they can't sit and wait on the front. They're just hoping they get that weather. Yeah. Now, when yeah. you're, when you're talking through um, these different states, one of the things that you said uh, I can't remember if we were recording or, or not, but you, you talked about finding, when you go on out-of-state trips, trying to find places that um, are similar to what you're used to hunting at home, stuff that you've learned how to do at home. Um, so you're in the you're in Mississippi, kind of, when I think Mississippi, I think river bottom type property, pretty flat, not super mountainous, maybe a little bit of rolling hills here and there, but is that typically what you're looking for when you go well, on an out-of-state yeah. trip? Well, in North Mississippi, where I'm at, North Central Mississippi, we're sort of rolling hills with, with river bottoms that feed to the Delta. You know, they go toward the Mississippi River. So we've got agriculture in the bottom, but 80% of our ground is, is timber, timberland. It was timber, so it's thick. Now, I don't, you know, I, I guess I got started hunting that way because it's, it's basically a big core lake. 
10 miles from me here. And I grew up hunting the backwaters of it. So that really got me started hunting water. And then I've got hunting off, sort of hunting the same way. You know, you know, I've hunted all the rivers pretty much, Ohio, the Missouri, the Arkansas. And you hunt them all the same way. Why I really like hunting rivers is most of the time you don't get very far from the boat. I know I've probably killed a handful of them that fell within 20 yards of the boat. Mm-hmm. Because that, that river's a natural barrier. Most of the time they're not going to cross it unless something makes them cross it. So they're mm-hmm. they're they're coming they're coming up beside it, and you say if you find a big creek or something that that goes perpendicular to it, most time you can go up that creek to where it starts getting shallow. Well, they're going to be crossing right there because that's the easiest place for them to cross. So it's to me, I've just sort of found my niche of hunting bottoms like that. You know, even if you get in a big bottom, it's got old oxbows and sloughs and stuff in it. They're natural barriers. They're going to go around them most time. I've noticed you that know, so watching that's, that's, your videos um, when you. Yeah, it, when you go on an out-of-state trips, it always it always feels like it's like the the progression is very similar on each of your videos that I've seen and each of your hunts. The progression is super similar. It usually starts out something like, you know, I left last night or I left you know yesterday afternoon, slept in the truck for a couple hours, and now I'm here at the boat ramp. By the way, there ain't nobody at the boat ramp. That's why I do this, you know. And you you explain <laughs> that. And you, and you usually turn the camera around and there's nobody there and you're hunting States. I watched this the hunt that you did in, uh, Kansas one year and you go out there and you hung a trail camera and got some big deer and you ended up, uh, I want to say you hit a deer, but you weren't able to recover it, but he was a huge buck and you were just kind of, um, you know, not far away from the, from the boat, you know, you just. Oh yeah, right there at it. Yeah, well, that's the, you know that's one niche about hunting from water is most of the time right next to rivers the best spot. Yeah, you know, but but I I guess going back, you know, you asked me the question earlier. I don't think it was on was hot then on Mike. A lot of you know I've had two guys text me this morning or message me and say, hey, I'm going to go out stuff for the first time. You got any ideas or tips what I, what I need to look for? Well, and I, that's what I basically tell them. Hey, find your niche way you like to hunt around your home area if you if you got where you can kill mature deer and when i call mature deer a three or four year old deer or old if you can consistently kill a, a three or four year old deer in the south he's an educated deer especially if you kill him on public land so if yeah. you can you can do that in the south you can go to any other state and do the same thing just just find similar ground that you're good at you know like i said some folks like hunting the mountains i've got a couple of buddies that kill some dang good deer in Arkansas on the dang mountains. I, I, you know, I don't like them hills that much. When I was younger, I did. You know, you can hunt saddles and them, them benches. You know, there's a way to hunt mountains. If you hunt around, like the back of this lake here, there's a lot of agriculture, you know, a lot of farmland. And you can find these fence rows and thickets, creek banks around them. There's all kind of them all over the Midwest. So, you know, that's what I basically said. Find what the way you like to hunt and go look for ground like that. In, you know, pretty much any state. Yeah. And like I said, I just got back from the Northeast with my wife. Just, you know, my goal was to go see all 50 states. Well, I like 10 states. So we got back, I think, Tuesday evening and Wednesday evening one. I've been in all 50 states now. Hmm. And the Northeast didn't surprise me. Every flat spot you found, there was corn. You know, they farmed it. You know, if it was a creek bottom or something like that, there was corn and soybeans. So, you know, and like I said, we got driving the road. I'd keep my own ex on and just sort of paid attention to what, what was around me. There was no trouble finding public land. You know, a lot, a lot of guys, oh, that public land's overhunted. Yeah. I, 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 I guess a rule of thumb I always say, if there's been a big deer killed on a place and it's been advertised, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people there hunting. So I, I don't go for yeah. the best place in the state. I, do, I sort of look for that third and fourth and fifth place that's got Ground. So what I've learned years ago by hunting the Midwest in different places, I like to talk to people when I get there. And I may see a farmer at the at the quick stop there, and I'm like, what kind of yield corn y'all, y'all go around this country here? Man, you get up an aisle where they say, 30, 50, or growling corn. Like, if it grows corn, it grows big horns. So, so that's one thing I always ask is, all right, what kind of yields y'all grow? Because it's all about the dirt. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. The better the soils, the better the horns are. Yeah, and you you find that 
I've been out of state several times, and a lot of time earlier on, whenever I did that, I would go and try to find something that I had not hunted before, like some type of terrain that I wasn't used to. Um, you know, people, if, if people listen to this, have watched any of the videos that I've done in Kentucky. Um, when I first started going to Kentucky, I was hunting flat farmland, which is just not what I was used to. And I was getting my butt beat. And, uh, then finally last year I went to a place that had some terrain and it was set up more like I was used to and ended up killing a, a pretty good deer within a few days. And so for me, hearing you say that it that just drives home the point of like yes if there there's you can travel all over the united states and there's a good chance you're going to be able to find something in one of these other states that is similar to your home home range and if that's what you're used to then go for it you know like that's what you need to be doing yeah that's why i tell them look for look for something like that you drift up in and and you're going to be you know, you already know how to hunt it here, so it's not going to be no different when you go yeah. north. And, yeah. I, and I tell yeah. these southern guys, if you can kill deer in the south on public land that's got a little pressure, them in the Midwest are a lot easier to kill, and they're a lot bigger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I know that, I know the Midwest guys don't like us saying that, but I like I welcome y'all to come hunt Mississippi. I, I'll, I'll be glad to show you some of the areas that go hunt them. I, I, you can kill a deer, but they're not as big as them deer up there. You know, there might yeah. be one a year in this county I live in that, you know, a couple. That'll be some good ones here, but they few and far between. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Hey, hey, Jeremy, if if you don't mind, uh, I know Parker mentioned wanting to talk about moon phase here, here in just a little bit, but um, you, you mentioned South Dakota. So could you take us through kind of like what um, your – what what that early season hunt is going to look for for you like like um kind of take us through what you're looking for right now and then, well, so and then say, once I, you I, get I, there I, well say i've never hunted and it's north dakota it's north dakota i didn't get it north dakota South i'm sorry dakota, yeah. you had to put in you put it put in for a tag for a certain time but north dakota aren't you gonna hunt feeding and bedding you're gonna hunt from where a deer's bedding at and where he's feeding no different than mm-hmm. he's hunting here in the south in october you know if, if the crop is yeah. still in the field so i'm i'm probably gonna look for agriculture and, and and how I hunt rivers, that's no problem to find. I just got to find public land. And I know the Missouri River runs right through the middle of North Dakota, so that's probably where I'm going to start. But mm-hmm. I may look different other areas just to see because I'm, I'm wanting to go to Wisconsin and Illinois the end of October, November. So it's more of a scouting hunting trip is what I'm planning. You know, I'm, I'm right. going to hunt in, in September, but I'm going to come back that other way and do a little scouting. Because one thing I learned, I, I told a guy this a while ago, it takes me, I like, the more you put into something, the more you're going to get out of it. I don't, that, that's life, that's that's a marriage, that's hunting, that's anything. So the more the more you put in, the more you're going to get out of it. That's right. So if that's why, that's why I'm going to go early and and scout and look for some, you know, I've got, you know, I'll find some spots there and I'll go look and probably put a, a camera or two up if you can. But main thing about read these regulations, all these things, states are starting to change up on putting these cameras and stuff out and different things. So, mm-hmm. so, and, on, and that's another tip I give them. Man, Kansas, that's the thong gun is, I've hunted several different times, but I guess I hunt so many different states. I don't pay a lot of attention to Pacific regulations. I knew I killed a deer out there three years ago. Man, I killed it. I got it. And I'm bad to just bone them out you know, on the spot. Cause if you kill deer out of state now with this CWD, you can't bring a bone across state line, mm-hmm. you know, Right, be boned down. So I usually just bone him out in the woods. Well, I tagged it, boned him out, and packed him out, and got him back to pick up and called in for the, to tag it, check it in. Well, heck, you had to take a picture of the tag on the deer before you ever skin it. And I'm thinking, Dad, come I didn't even check the regulation before huh. I done that. Huh. <laughs> so That's I, I tried calling them, and it was Saturday morning. I couldn't get up with nobody, and I like, crap. I done ready to go back to the house. So I just took a picture of the tag on the meat. And the horns and seen it, and I never hear nothing out of them. But they're all different. That's what I guys basically say. If you go out of state, really check the tagging regulations and and how they've you, you know it's because some of them you got to tag it sucker soon you kill it, mm-hmm. and some of them you got to call them in as quick as you can. So so I would basically say really check on your regulation to be legal when you go to another place like that and, and to harvest an animal. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy. Also, just just 
sorry, Park. I, I was going to ask a question You're about good. since you hunt so many different states, um, and and you were talking about the cameras. Do you do you sell cams, or do you just kind of put a camera out then go back and check it, or do you let them sit? Well, or how do, how do, how does that well, work with hunting different states for you? Well, a lot of times if I'm going to a new spot and I'm I'm hunting close to the rut that I hadn't been in, so I know I got a chance killing a pretty good deer. Usually that first day, I just hit the ground and say if I find a good scrape. I put a I put a camera that's gonna send it to my phone because I want to know what's in there. I want to know what quality deer. If a 125 walks by there, if I need to shoot him, or if there's 150 and 60s in there, that I'm, I might better let him go. So I, I tried putting two or three cameras out to, that send it back to my phone. If I'm hunting a place for you know, I know I'm gonna be there a week, and I do that. But now last year and the last couple of years, I've done it a couple of different times. I've done it once in Kansas, I've done it in Arkansas last year. I put a camera out early and I left it all year. And I went back and got the camera after season. What you will learn from that? I, I just got this one back from Arkansas. I didn't go pick it back up to turkey season. And it was in there from the open day of bow season to the very end of season. And it showed how deer moved. They moved a little bit in October. November, the end of November, they really moved. For, there was about a 10-day period there. I had all kind of bucks in there. I didn't have a one guy walk by. Hmm. Seen a little bit. Of, you, you could tell when them does would cycle. About every 28 days of activity, you've seen a lot of bucks. But that, that peak rut, I've seen a lot of bucks. So I know now that area, them dates, if I'm open, I'm going to be in that hot hunt. You know, right. that, that's one thing I'd say about some of these cheaper cameras. Go buy you one of these Tascos at 30 bucks, $35. Yeah. And there's an area you want to go hunt, but you, you may not hunt it much this year, but you sort of want to know what's in there and when they're moving. Man, pick that sucker over a good scrape or a good trail up high. You know, you got to hide it. A lot of these dang guys steal them some kind of Just sort of hide it a little bit and put it <laughs> yeah. in an area. But you will learn a lot from it. It's basically the time a year they're moving. The best, you know, the best time to be there. Jerry, yeah. one thing that you have done that is different from most people that are putting stuff out on YouTube or in video form is you have not been ultra secretive of where you're hunting all the time um that's one thing that i've noticed about about well, what you do well here's the way i look at it i could hunt a different place every day and i never hunt the same place again there's that many of them out there mm-hmm. so i'm not i'm i'm you know there's a lot of folks i give them a general area you know I, basically when i do my show i basically say hey don't try finding exactly where I'm at. You're not learning nothing from that. What I'm trying to show you is how I found an area. You go mimic it somewhere else and do the same thing. Because there's so many places that's just like it that may be a county over or maybe a state over. But it's it's all confidence. You figure out how to do that, you can go kill a deer in any state. I know you can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's good. Have you ever had issues um, since you started videoing and – just not being super secretive about what you, where you're at. Have you ever had issues with guys um, finding your videos and coming in on the areas that you're hunting? Not really, because I don't really try showing a lot of landmarks. Mm-hmm. Some of the locals might recognize it. You know, if I go down a river and there's a power plant on it or something pretty obvious, you know, I don't show it. Yeah. You know, a lot of times I may show the boat ramp a little bit, and somebody like, oh, I know where that boat ramp is, but they don't know which way I went up down that river. You know, it's there are guys that there's some technology that, <laughs> you know, I got a buddy that does a lot of spray and stuff like that that's very sharp on maps. He can find you, give him an elevation of a lake, and he's like, okay, let's find how many lakes has got that elevation on it. You know, <laughs> you'd be surprised how some people can, can find a spot. Or if you fool around and when you show that video, that coordinates is right in the bottom. Yeah. They know exactly where you're at. Yeah. So there, you know, there are people out there like yeah, but what I found, them guys, they ain't gonna get out and bust their tail and hunt like this, because hunting out of a boat when it's man, I've been on that Missouri River a couple of different mornings when it's zero, it's in the single digits. You talking about hard to get out of that truck and get in that boat and, and go up it and go hunting when it's that cold? I know it. I do it. I do it every time, <laughs> man. That's how I hunt. That's just the you way know, that I try to do it, you, and that's you're exactly right. You know, they, they're not many people going to do it that way. You run into a few duck hunters in the mornings, but, you know, I like I said, I don't know how many weeks I hunted last year. Very seldom I ever run into anybody. 
Because most time I leave for daylight and I don't come out after dark if I don't kill something. I just I don't run in. You know, you talking about people coming in on me. Most time they don't ever know I'm there because I kill a deer, I bone him out, I get him to the truck. I don't nobody see him. I'm gone. I'm down the road and in the next day. And that's that's a trick I like. I, here, let me tell you something. Here's what I really like to do when I know I got say a week or ten days to go hunting, and say I've got an Iowa tag. I draw that tag. I pretty much know where I'm going that hour, but I know I got 10 days to hunt. Boom, I kill a big deer or a good deer the second day. I've got me a plan B that there's another state right there pretty close that I'm about to count tag that I'm going to run and jump over and hunt. And I will have a plan C, but, you know, I don't buy that that other tag till I've killed that second deer. You know, there's a couple of times I've went and killed deer in three different states because I knew I had 10 days or two weeks to go hunt. So that's one thing I guess I would say to some of these young guys is, especially if you hunt by yourself or just one person, it's, it's hard to do that with a group because you may tag out another four guys are sitting there still hunting and you're in one vehicle. Do you, so, do you find, I, w- I want you to talk a little bit about your, your scouting. I know we, we mentioned a little bit with trail cameras and things, uh, but one thing that I feel mm-hmm. like has to be, a thing that you're doing in all these states is devoting a lot of time or devoting a good amount of time um, to scouting before you ever hunt, especially in these places that you haven't been before. Can you talk about a little bit about what your system is like for finding the areas that you're actually hunting? Well, like I said, I get there in the morning, you know, I've done found a map place on the map that I'm starting. That's my starting point. You know, there's no guarantee that I'm going to find a good stand location in that area, but that's where I start. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and I try my best the first day I get there is to not climb a tree and hunt the first place I find. I try finding me three or four spots because you want to, and I, I watch the weather and know what the wind's going to be tomorrow. I know what the wind's going to be the next day. So I'm really trying to find a stand location for, say, uh, that place I was hunting where you see me shoot that deer in uh, Kansas. I needed something east wind to it. Well, heck, first few days I was there, it was all out of the north. And it was blowing right the way the deer was coming from where I finally shot him. But mm-hmm. finally, when that wind shifted that day, you know, I knew it was finna shift the, the day before. So I already went in there and hung my stand. And I was waiting for that weather to shift around because I knew it was a good spot. It was just a little pinch point around that CRP field. And it was coming off some private, and there was some big old rubs in there. You know, and like I said, I got a picture of him two nights there, so I knew he was in there. So I, I, a lot of it, you, you, you're watching that wind because it don't matter how good a hunter you are, if that sucker smells you, he's gone. You get fooled with mature deer. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. I remember watching that video and you moved, you got down and you moved to another stand location that was, that was pretty close by. And I think that other stand location is where you ended up getting a shot at that, that bigger buck, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, that yeah, or I'm thinking I, about I, in uh, was that that was Indiana I believe an Indiana hunt um, where there was snow oh, yeah, on the okay, ground. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, that's the one I shot in the snow there. Mm-hmm. That's as like I said, I was getting a dang big picture of a, a picture of a big buck right on the river right there. But the way I got the picture of him, the wind had shifted was blowing that way, and I like, dang, you know, when when I got in there that morning, it was it was still pretty good. That's right. But, but the middle of the day it started shifting, and I you know like there's no need to sit in there, so I moved and went on down the river. To another little corner, because most time, one thing about hunting river, how they bend like that, you can always get a good wind. You yeah. know, you can get in a different bend, a different direction, and get that wind right. Good point. Now, yeah, good point. You know, you've now there's a place we hunt over in Arkansas in the bottom, flat, big flat bottom. That is one of the hardest places I've ever hunted for getting the wind. If you got a seven, eight, ten mile an hour wind that's pretty constant, you can do good. But if it's one of them, it's, it's blowing hard and it whirls every once in a while, you'll be sitting there and it's like you're sitting in a bathtub. The wind will go one way. And five minutes, ten minutes later, it'll turn around and shift and go right backwards the way it comes. <laughs> and it, and it's so hard to sit there. And, and it's big old deer in that country, too. And you're like, you've got a 50-50 chance if he's coming up his trail that you're hoping the wind is blowing right when he comes up. <laughs> so yeah. it, 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 it's very hard to hunt like that there and a lot of bottoms are like that especially if they've got big water around them that'll change them thermals or just got a big hill on one side that the wind is whirling around so you're you're looking for that perfect spot you know it's and another thing i'd say is some of the bigger deer i've killed 
I go in there and a lot of just being lucky. You know, it's just trusting yourself and being lucky instead of good. It's finding good sign, good big sign, got good wind, and climbing the first day and killing that sucker that evening. That or the leave you standing in there and get back in there the next morning and kill him the next morning. Mm. Very seldom I've ever killed a good deer that I've sat there and hunted three or four days in the same thing. I don't know if it's like, you know, he comes in there at night or whatever and, and knows something's different. But most time, I've killed the best deer the first or second set. So mm. so I look and hunt like that. You know, yeah. I hunt a good spot two or three times. And if I don't kill him, I'm going to move to another area. I'm going to move down a little bit further. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move around just a little bit. It seems like you're I guess not, I you're not moving around just like like huge distances. You're going in and you're finding an area no. that has good sign, and you're staying, you're, you're kind of breaking down uh, a general area pretty good. Is that kind of what you're saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not getting in the pickup going to the next WMA. You know, I just may move around on the other side of, or, mm-hmm. or scout up another creek or something like that. I guess I learned that years ago when I was a kid. You know, you know a big deer's been seen in the county here. You know, everybody's like, man, there's a big deer over here. And you get in there and you hunt, you're hunting that son gun, and somebody will stumble in there and kill him. Or he'll get run over on the road. Somebody that didn't know nothing about him would end up killing him. So I got sort of hunting like, all right, I'm going to hunt a deer like that. I'm just going to go in a place here every once in a while and stumble up and try being lucky. And I'm telling you, I killed a lot of deer like that. Just going into place blind, and the first time, day or two there, it seemed like you can kill a pretty good deer. That is instead of just consistent you know, with a lot of people that kill deer. I can, I can tell you for me, um, and I'm I've nowhere nearly the level that you are as far as um, consistency. But the bigger deer that I have killed in my lifetime, bigger public land deer have been first and second time sits in a spot um i'm actually first almost every single yeah, one of them that i can think of that i've got on my wall have been first time sits in an area um that's, that's it's just it's one of those common denominators that you're talking about you know you've got you've got your um your feeding times the moon the moon times that you're talking about you've got the fronts you've got um you know things like that that are that are always common denominators for you, um, but one of those things for me that that always seems to be right is if I find a good area, I, if it's the first time that I've sat there, my likelihood of killing a good deer is going to go up pretty significantly if all those other things line up. For sure, that's 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 true. You know, and I may scout, and, and a lot of times say if I'm say if I'm up with in Illinois. And the weather's super warm, you know, but I'm there hunting. I don't really climb and try hunt. I scout then. I really prioritize my time. Just say if the, the move time showed it's better in the morning, now I'm, I may get up and hunt a little bit that morning, but the rest of the day I'm going to go scout, and I may go to a, a totally different place and scout. Example, in Illinois, that I mean in Iowa, the deer I killed in 16, but then hunting a river and killed 120 and 30 inch deer, you know, and that was big for me being in Mississippi. I thought that's a good deer, but I'm like, man, I'm in, I'm in big buck country. I'm, I'm finished. I done a lot of reading that summer was the guy who was, he's got talking about the area that I hunted. And he's like, this area is no different than the golden triangle in Illinois. Cause it basically was some lurse hills there. I got thinking that, that makes sense. That, that ground grows big deer. Anywhere you get next to Delta, next to a river, you got wind disseminated soil away from it. That's called lurse hills. It's, it's just a lighter soil that usually always grows things big, hardwood timber. Well, it was hot that week, and I'm like, well, I'm going to go scout this place. It was about two hours from where I've been hunting. And I'm mad when I find a place like that. I walked the property line. I, I pretty much walked the line because there was a big private block next to it. There was no hunting. So that's always, if you can find a block that you can't hunt, you know that that's where the deer's at. Yeah. So I walked, and I found a dang good trail right in the corner of the property. And there was a big front coming the next day. So I like, all right, I'm going to go back in there and climb that, that spot. I got in there the next morning, and when I got to where I wanted to be, there was a dang buck chasing doe. He was like 115-inch deer. And he, he run off. I'm like, dang, this is a good spot. This is where I knew this is where I wanted to climb. Well, I climbed up that tree, and it got snow in its tail off, wind blowing 30 <laughs> miles an hour. And I'm like, 
I'm like, dang, this is miserable. I I grunted real loud, didn't didn't think nothing can hear me. And I looked up 40 yards from it, and the biggest buck at that time I'd ever seen was rubbing a tree. And I'm like, Dad, come where'd that sucker come from? You know, he was just sitting there rubbing that tree, you know, and I had a good wind because it was going the other way. I'm like, man, I'm in the driver's seat here. But I knew there was two trails. There was one coming straight to me, and there was one that was going to parallel me. And he, I grunted at him again. He took his old head up, and, boy, he got licking his nose, trying to moisture it where he could smell. And that sucker turned and come straight to me, and I shot him seven steps. And I think, mm. man, 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 just that was luck. You know, it was just being in that right spot at the right time. It was uh, – don't – I mean – yeah, I think I had this conversation with a guy today talking about luck, and a lot of times it is luck. But just like a good gambler, he tests his he puts his luck to the test when the time is right. Um, he a, a, right. a good gambler still knows when what what's the song you got to know when to hold hold them and know when to fold them. Like you still got to right. know those things. It still might be a little bit of luck, but. Um, you you put a lot of things together in that situation that I mean, you know, your the odds were turning more in your favor with every well, step well, that, that you, you make took. Your, you, you no no saying you endure bad luck and you make your make good luck. That's true. That's that's just what I've done. I basically that hot weather wasn't worth a darn. I was enduring that bad luck, but when I knew that front was fitting to change, I changed area and I I, I really liked the spot when I scouted scouted the day before. And like I said, everything lined up to my advantage, and boom, you know, one big steer of a kill with a bow popped up right there. Do you want to know more about saddle hunting? Well, you can go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you know me, you know that I love to have a system for all of my hunting equipment, where everything works together, and we preach about it a lot on this podcast. When you buy from Tethered, you can rest easy knowing that all your gear is designed to work together as a system. Saddles, platforms, ropes, climbing sticks, and a ton of other great gear just for saddle hunting can be found by visiting tetherednation.com today. That's tetherednation.com. Check them out. So tell me, Jeremy, these areas that you're talking about, like we've pretty much established, I think, um, pretty well. You you go into a lot of places and you kill the first time that you're in there or within the first couple of days. Do you ever go back to these areas and experience the same amount of luck, or do you find that once you've had success in in one area that it, it maybe never quite recovers from uh, your success that, that, there? That, funny you say that because you think, man, you find that spot, you, you found a spot good year after year. And generally, that area could be good year after year. Example, I killed him in Arkansas, a place hunt over there. And that river bottom, I was talking about the wind is so bad. There was a front coming in. And like I said, it, right in that area, it seemed like always from the 1st of December to the 10th of December. It's always, because we've hunted this place for 20 years, me and a couple of my buddies. And the biggest deer we've always killed has always been pretty much between that 1st and the 10th of December. But it was like the 6th of December. I found a pretty good spot in there on a scrape. And I was working that evening. And it, it started setting in raining because that front coming in. And I told my buddy that was helping me. I'm like, I'm going to run dark as I was seeing it. I said, the moon phase is showing at 3.30. They're going to be up on their feet moving. So I drove two hours and got over there and got in the stand. 3.30, here come a dang deer coming straight to me. Probably 135-inch eight-point. Just walking straight to me. And I just bought a new bow the week before and i changed up my kisser button and everything on it and changed my anchor point up he come walking straight to me seven steps i shot right between his front feet <laughs> i like i didn't know what i'd done wrong when i done it and i like he jumped out there and turned around i like what the heck did i just do wrong and i got another air and got knocked when i draw back then i felt my kisser button i like dad gum it i didn't set right you know i hit the bow cock too high and i shot right but go back to that story i, I got to go back over saturday morning so I was in the same tree Saturday morning that I shot him out of. The wind was blowing just a little bit different. It got turning, blowing right the way he come that 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 Wednesday. Well, I got I'm gonna move up the creek a little bit. I got my stuff down, got up the tree. I was pulling my bow up and I look and here he come walking around the side of that creek, coming straight to me. Same deer, same buck. 
he come and come five yards from me and I shot him and killed him. Well, my buddy was over there and I thought, well, dang, I got tomorrow to hunt. So I'm like, I've always heard that old saying this. You kill a good buck in a tree today and you, you kill another the next day. I've never done it. I've heard some guys doing it before. So I'm like, I'm going to go back to that same tree and hunt it again. Well, it was 930 I killed him that morning. 1030 the next morning, here come another buck chasing doe, come right on the same tree and I killed him. I'm like, I found the spot over here. The next year I hunted that town 10 times and never just see a right buck out of it. So <laughs> that goes to tell you, <laughs> I don't know. Mm. They're not good. But that bottom that year didn't have acorns in it, so I, I think it changed them up a little. Yeah. So, and and the big deer in Iowa, I went back several years later when I drove that tag in and thought, Oop, I found the spot. Hunted it three times, never did see a decent rack book in it. So, you know, no, I don't think you can kill a, a a real big deer and go back and kill a real big deer out of the same tree three and four, five years down the road. Hmm. The percentages are against you. Yeah. In, in my opinion, of what I've hunted. Sure. I have better luck as yeah. going, going to the next WMA or going a little bit further somewhere else and might kill him a, a good one. That's true. I mean, and, and I think a lot of that is, uh, I guess you could call it um, fate or something like that. And, and a lot of it's going to be your mindset too. You know, we, we talked about a little bit yesterday on the phone. Confidence is, confidence is very, very important. And a lot of guys go in year after year. We talked to a guy um, named Michael Perry who is a, a a great deer hunter. He has success year after year. And a lot of times he's hunting the same spots year after year and he's killing, he's killing big deer there. Um, but for, for you, you know, your confidence is in being mobile and going and, and finding new places. And so I think a lot of that's just, it's just your style of hunting. You know, I'm sure you could, if you did it enough, you would probably be able to go in and, you know, if that was your style of hunting and you were confident in it, you just have your one spot there and you'd probably eventually kill another buck out of it. But I, I definitely see what you're saying. And I'm, I'm right there with you. I think a lot of listeners probably are as well. Um, yeah, but I do, I do really like the aspect that, you know, talking about different factors and different denominators for you that tend to be, um, tend to be really, really good for your success. I want to talk a little bit about something that I've noticed on your videos, um, it seems like you, you hunt a lot of m- more, maybe in the Midwest and North Northern States, but it seems like you're hunting over scrapes quite a bit. Do you find it different hunting in the South over scrapes versus hunting in the Midwest or in the North over a scrape? I do. Cause in the South, very seldom I've had a buck come in daylight to a scrape. You know, you may catch him chasing a doe, come by over the scrape, but very, very seldom I've ever had a, a you know a good mature deer come into a scrape in the daytime here in the south. I don't know what it is, but now there where I'm running around there's a lot of dog hunting. Yeah, I don't know if that affects it. You know, when the gun rifle season going on too that time of year here in the south. But now Midwest different. If you can, I really like hunting the Midwest. It's right before the peak of the rut when the bucks are sort of really running them scrapes and and checking them. You catch that moon phase right. You know, especially a lot of times right when the full moon is coming up and it's not full yet. A lot of times that evening is is right. That moon may be three-fourths full straight up over your head in the evenings. I've shot a couple different bucks before in the Midwest that I can remember. That moon was just coming. I shot one in Kansas one time. Right after I shot, I looked and the moon was just coming up and it was full as it could be. That was that minor time. Because that mm-hmm. you know, minor time is right when it's coming in when it's setting. And it was about the first of November, really about 10 days before the rut was peaked. So, yeah, I do really like hunting around, you know, scrapes in the Midwest a lot better than I do here in the South. You know, in the South, I usually hunt travel corridors. It's, it's, and I'm, I'm, you know, like I said, I grew up young hunting in the South because our, our rifle season's in the South. You, you look at most hunters in the South, especially older hunters, they're gun hunters mm-hmm. because but now you get up in Illinois when they're, their bow season is during the peak of the rut. You got a lot of older bow hunters. I was the same way. Yeah. You know, I think the, the state order determines a lot of what, how folks hunt. Because, you know, that's the best time to hunt during the rut. So, what weapon can you use? It's going to determine pretty much how a lot of the people in that state hunt. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you see that. I mean, I've said that forever. And, and used to, um, used to, I would, 
try to, you know, say, come up with an excuse why I killed a deer with a rifle or whatever, you know, just when I was younger, because everybody, you know, everybody in the quote unquote industry is a bow hunter and that's what everybody does. Everybody's always hunting with a bow. And if you didn't kill with a bow, then, then it don't matter as much as if you killed a deer with a, or if you killed a deer with a rifle, it doesn't matter as much as if you killed it with a bow, but then you just really get to thinking about it and it's like, you know what? No, that's not that's not true at all. This is just how I was raised in the South. I was raised in Texas, and our our rifle season is is long. And then I moved to Alabama. We have a long rifle season, and that's just that's just how you hunt down here, you know. Well, and like I said, and that rifle season during the run, I'm telling you, because that's that determines it to me more is if you're a good hunter, you're going to hunt the best time of the year, and you're going to hunt with it. Don't matter to me what I kill it with now. If I kill it with a rifle with a bow i ain't got shooting a crossbow a little bit last year because my eyes i got where i can't see my pins like i used to that that deer that i hit two inches to the right in kansas uh-huh. it really mm-hmm. got me thinking man it don't matter what you kill it with when you grab get your hands on that son of a gun you know you, you found that set you got that deer that close you know to me getting a deer close now that power line i've shot deer pulling 500 yards i've done it that's not nothing like shooting a deer at 20 yards Mm-hmm. You don't, right. don't care if you shoot him with a gun or can shoot him with a boat because you know you you fooled him and got him that close. You know it, it's like that big deer shot in Iowa a couple of years ago. When he come in there at seven steps and I shot him, he didn't have a clue. I was nowhere around. That was pretty much one of the awesomest feelings I've ever ever had in my life. You know I won't never forget that. Yeah. Because as soon as that arrow went through him, I knew I had him. Yeah. That's a good feeling. <laughs> it's such a good feeling. I, yeah, I, know, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about because most of the deer that I kill, even with a rifle anymore, I, I rarely ever kill a deer over 40, 35, 40 yards with a rifle just because of my mindset. I'm always setting up. Just to, my, The way I set up during gun season is about the same way I set up during bow season. It's I don't yeah. Ain't nothing really changes much for me. And uh, a lot of it's just because, like you, I, I do enjoy that um, – that feeling of being able to get them in close, you know, you get better camera, get better video when they come in close like that. It's just, it's just fun, man. I I love it. Drew, I know you grew up a little bit differently as well, growing up in Florida and hunting with dogs. And so it can be you yeah. know, a little bit, a little bit different than what a lot of our uh, Northern neighbors, how they were raised, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, well, and, especially in the South dog hunting has a really rich tradition. I know, and it's controversial, you know, but, um, it's, uh, it's actually, if, if you were to ask me, you know, Hey, what, what's your favorite way to hunt? That is my favorite way to hunt. I mean, it's just the way I grew up doing it. And so it's, it's, it's just a lot of fun, but just like Jeremy said, man, like <laughs> there's it, I see it all the time. People post a deer on social media and they just get grilled. Like you could have the crossbow. It, it don't count. And I'm like, well, it's still dead. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> like right. I don't, That's I, right. I killed him. I don't, yeah. I'm, I'm the one that put the work in and I went and found and did all this stuff. And, and so, um, but, but also Jeremy too, I wanted to ask you, cause I know some guys will listen to this podcast and they're going to be like, man, how does this, how does this guy do this? Like, how does he go? How, how does he go to all 50 states? And, and, and we got a lot of guys that, you know, that, that, that are single guys that are engaged guys that have family guys. You know, I mean, there's, there's, we have a wide variety of people. So Jeremy, if you don't mind, kind of, kind of break that down, how, how, how that has progressed for you over the years. Cause I know you, you, you didn't always hunt like this cause I watched one of your videos and, and, and so can you just break down like for, for the guy that's asking themselves, like there there's, ain't no way that I could go to two or three out of state hunts in a year. Can, well, can you just break down well, what, well, what that I, is? I, I put a show, I, I put a show out this year that I took a lot of pride in. It was a place that's private land here next to me. It, I, I basically say, go watch it. It's called life hacks of hunting. And it basically describes mm-hmm. that. But, but I tell you in short, it was well, look at it. when I was 20 years old, I loved to hunt. I know I really love to hunt. That was a passion I really liked to do. And I got into business and got real successful, made a good bit of money. And I thought, I want to make a living hunting. But I had a goal that I wanted to retire when I was 40 years old. I, I didn't want to work my whole life. I didn't want to work my whole life, a job, busting my tail, and then die. So I basically set me a goal that 
when I turned 40, I want to retire. But uh, I got doing this hunting. Like I said, I got very successful, sold a business, and hunted for three years. When I was basically 28 to 31 years old, I didn't do nothing but hunt for three years. This country, if you bust your tail and work hard and take a lot of pride in what you do, you can be successful. Mm-hmm. You're going to get knocked on your face several times. Jump up and learn from it and keep going. So basically what I tell these young guys out here, especially the young guys that's married, because I was in the same boat. I got married when I was 23. One of them three years that I basically didn't do nothing but hunt, I had three young kids at the house. And my wife went back to school and got her teaching degree. And I made it I made it to the outdoor channel with a show. What I had to choose. I had to choose between my three girls or hunting like this. Well, it wasn't worth it. I, I basically took chose my wife and three girls. You see a lot of them in the hunting industry, they're divorced. And I basically tell them, y'all, don't it ain't worth it. Them them kids is yeah. your responsibility. You know, work hard for them kids. Well, I done that. I didn't stop hunting. I still would go on one hunt a year, basically. You know, I I, I rewarded myself that I took off a week in November for probably the last 20 years and went hunting somewhere. But that was all I could do, and then I hunted right home. Well, I basically got my girls out of school, got them into college. I got hunt, back hunting a little bit more. Well, I basically got them out of college now, and I'm half-age, semi-retired at 54, and I can do it because I invested in some different things. You know, that's why I basically say to y'all, when you're younger, hey, work hard, but don't spend everything you make. Don't, don't have the best vehicle in the biggest house because – like Dave Ramsey said, eat like nobody else for one day you can eat like nobody else. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's true. And, and I've done several shows, and you'd be surprised at the people that's responding like, hey, I, I've, I've sort of done what you said. I've done that over time, and, and I'm in pretty good shape, and I can pretty much do what I want to now. But yeah. so many people get in a rut that they want this new board. They want this new gun and stuff. When, when do they need it? You know, that's what I basically say. If you'll plan a little bit, we used to do a lot of trade shows 20 years ago, right before we done our first show. Because, you know, we thought, well, that's how you got to make money. And a lot of folks would say, how can you go hunt? How can you go do that? I don't have the time. If if you want to do something bad enough, you'll make the time. You, you know, you may have to give up a little bit here to go do this. So I guess that would be one thing I'd say to a young guy that's safe in the mid-20s, got you a decent job, got a kid or something, but you'd really love to hunt. Make a little bit of time for it. You know, you may have to plan three months in advance just put a little bit of money back for this hunt put a little bit of money back six months in advance so when it gets here hey i'm gonna do this because hunting public land is not very expensive if you can buy your license and you can get there you got to eat here if you don't mind camping or sleeping in a vehicle you know if you got to have a motel room that's a little extra expense but budget for it you know you can call in ahead and find out how much motel room is You'd be yeah. surprised how cheap you can go see this country if you do it on a budget. You know, I guess that's what I and I and I'm, I really want to encourage the younger generation to do this because it's I've had a ball doing it. And yeah. when you get to a certain point, you know, I guess I done one show that I basically said it was on one of my bucket list shows. That's at Indiana Hunt, and I, I basically wanted to make people think. I wanted them to think a little bit because I always looked at when I got fifty. I guess I was over the hump. Well, crap! When you get to fifty, you get thinking. Crap, that's half of a hundred. I'm way over the hump. I'm done way on the downhill slide. <laughs> so, so you get thinking when you're 35 or 40, you might be able to be thinking you might be about to the top and you go on the downhill side on the other side. So, but when you get to that point, you think a lot different. It's not about you no more. It's about what what can you pass on to this next generation that you learn. Because all this lot of knowledge that you've learned, if you don't pass it on, it goes with you. You know, it goes to the grave with you. So yeah. And I've had several older guys that really helped me in business that told me the same thing. Hey, like, man, I've had a lot of help getting here. If you got any question, any way I can help you, don't mind asking. And I guess I'm the same way with hunting. You know, I've, I've been very fortunate. I got to go out west at a real young age. You know, my dad got me out there my junior year in high school, me and a couple of my buddies. And he wasn't a big hunter, but he knew I loved to hunt. And then when I graduated high school, I got to go to Montana. And I fell in love with Montana now. I hunted Montana 14 different years in a row out there. And really done that out west hunting, and, and I loved it. And that's basically what i done with Daniel. I looked at him, and I got him hunting different places. Because most of the time, a young guy, all you got to do is light that fire for him. You light that fire for him, and they say, ooh, I can go do this. I can go camp and hunt over here. Because they, they'll keep that fire going. 
and then they can pass yeah. it on to the next one. So, you know, I guess that's what I would say to the younger guys is, hey, get out there and do it, but just do it on your budget and, and sort of plan for it. Because I promise you, you won't regret it. And then, and then mountain states, I heard Randy Newberger say one time, and it's a true statement, you're going to run out of health before you run out of wealth. Where you hear a lot of guys say, I'm a, when I get where I can afford it, I'm going to go do it. Now, go hunt them mountain states while you can enjoy it and you're in shape. Huh. Yeah. Man, that's so good. That is, that that's is good, bro. That is one of my favorite things, I think, as you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking about about it. One of my favorite things about what you guys do with the do-it-yourself hunter is I love the age dynamic between you and Daniel. Um, Daniel's a young guy, you know, you can tell he, he, y'all, y'all are so different from each other, but so much alike at the same time. And you get a different, you get a different, um, personality with, with each of your videos. But, um, it, 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 to me, it's one of the things that sticks out is you got a guy who's, you said 53 and you got a guy who's probably in, I don't know how old's Daniel, 20 something, you know, not, 20, yeah, he's 20, he turned 20 this year, 20 years old. And, and y'all are cutting up together and have a good, having a good time together. And, uh, you're really putting your money where your mouth is. I think talking about getting the next generation into the, into the sport and, and lighting that fire. And, and you can see that in, in action with, uh, with yours and Daniel's videos. And so I think that's a great point to, to end this episode on, you know, we've been talking for a little bit and I feel like we've gotten a good idea of what you're doing and how you're doing it. And, um, man, I think the sky's the limit for you guys. I, I really don't think yeah. uh, this is going to be the last that, that anybody hears about the do-it-yourself hunter because you guys are putting out great content and you got a great heart behind it. And so uh, just from us over here at Southern Ground, man, we really appreciate what you're doing and what Daniel's doing and uh, the, the good taste that you're leaving in people's mouths for the hunting industry. I think that that uh, it speaks volumes about you guys. Uh, well, good luck to everybody out there. And like I said, this. I, you know, I guess I've had a lot of fun doing what I've done, and I hope I can, I can do it. I, you know, I know every day's getting close to my last one, but don't worry about that. Just have fun while you're here. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. And as always, a big shout-out to all of our partners. That's Go Wild, Tethered, Spartan Forge, and Six Day Grind Coffee Company. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook or Instagram or subscribing to the YouTube channel. And you can be sure to check us out at southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, read some blog articles, and all that good stuff. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We will talk to you next week.